Brett Favre, get back to Brett. What great skill and ability yeah. compiled with his leadership ability and his toughness. Now, every great quarterback I've coached has that toughness. Yeah. And that that will uh, deep inside of them that they will not be denied. Hey, hey, welcome back to another rep. My name is Steve Hagan. Thanks for choosing this show. You've got a million options, and I'm glad you chose this one. If you like this, hit like, hit subscribe. You can leave a comment. It's all good. And um, another rep is about another opportunity to get better, another opportunity to grow. And this show is all about us sharing our stories, us sharing our reps, how we've been repping life, how we've been going through this. So uh, today's guest, love this guy. We coached together for a long time at two different spots. And uh, I love the way he teaches. I love the juice he brings to the, uh, to the meetings, to the field, to the game. And um, he's got a great vision. He was mentored by two great guys. You'll hear that in this story. And uh, he's, he's produced some great quarterbacks. And uh, let's just go get it. Let's go get another rep. Let's go. My man, Marty Morningwig. How are you today? Steve Hagen, thanks for having me on. Let's rock and roll. Okay, man, let's go. Marty and I worked together. We started working together at Northern Arizona 114 years ago. <laughs> man alive, I'll tell you, Steve, I the thing, the thing I remember about that is you and I were we coached the kickoff return team. <laughs> That's right. The nation in kickoff returns because we had so the I fastest. Knew you were a, I knew you were a heck of a coach when you and I teamed up to lead the league in a kickoff return. You know why? We had Michael Haynes. I got to get him on a podcast. The fastest human on the planet at the time. And Larry Kintera, our head coach. Hey, 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 let me tell you, they don't want to kick him the ball. <laughs> no, they don't, coach. I will tell you, we, we were number one in the nation, and we should have been number one in the nation because of the skill and ability that we had there at NAU, the Lumberjacks. The Lumberjacks, yeah. We... You know, that's where I met my beautiful wife. Awesome, yeah. She's a Lumberjack. Me too. Mine's a Lumberjack as well. <laughs> what, what the heck? We should both be living in Flagstaff. What's going on? Uh, no, Montana's fine for you, and I'm down in Franklin, Tennessee, so that's good. We are yeah. Zooming each other right now. Marty and I work together at the New York Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. That was fun. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> NAU and the Jets. Yeah, well, there was a couple stops in between for both of us. That's what we're going to talk about on this show a little bit. But uh, you started out in southern or in northern central i guess what kind of california is it san jose it's the bay area right and uh coach holmgren mike holmgren was your head football coach how was was that he was not even the head football coach what was he when i was in eighth grade going into high school uh the head coach knew he needed a offensive guy so he he scoured because the head coach Phil Sturz okay. was a line coach. He was a great head coach, but he was a line coach. So he needed 
an offensive coordinator. So he scoured uh, the, the area, and Mike was coaching uh, a high school team, part of the staff, in San Francisco. That's where he was from. Okay. After, after his playing days at USC. And the team had won one game in two years. <laughs> and, you know, of course, after the fact, Mike, Mike goes, yeah, geez, I'll tell you, I, I didn't know if the coaching business was for me. <laughs> because we, we had trouble winning a game. And anyway, I thought everybody got coached like that. Yeah. They don't. No. Mike taught me the basic fundamentals. He kind of grabbed me when I was 14 years old and taught me yeah. how to play the position of quarterback. Yeah. And there, that's where I, I learned decision-making and accuracy and timing and trust your gut instincts and turn it loose with passion. Yeah. I learned that from Mike. Yeah. And then later on, the great Andy Reid grabbed me kind of around the neck when I was a graduate assistant at UTEP and sort of taught me the coaching business and how to coach. Very cool. So I've had good kind of protégés. Yeah, two great mentors. Two really great mentors. What, what would you say – what was one or two things that you took from Coach Holmgren that you just took and you just carried it all the way through your coaching legacy? You were in the NFL. How many years? Tell everybody how many years you were coaching in the NFL. Like 26 in the NFL, 10 in college, and I coached one year at Oak Grove High School. Go Eagles, a high-flying eagle. <laughs> there you go. That's a great career. Great career. 26 Thanks, years. Dude. So you coached, but while you were in the NFL, you coached big-time quarterbacks, five pro bowlers, Brett Favre, Steve Young, Jeff Garcia, Donovan McNabb, Mike Vick. So, you know, those five guys, what did you tell them to get them into the Pro Bowl? <laughs> and, you know, Lamar you know, they've won, between those five guys, they've won over 1,000 games probably. It's crazy. You know you know, I did just, just like Mike taught me. Yeah. Decision-making and accuracy and timing and trust your gut instincts and turn it loose with passion. Let's minimize the, 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 the negative plays, the crazy plays, but still allow those athletic type of quarterbacks to utilize their instincts. So there's that fine line because you will have, a certain amount of negative plays that other drop back teams won't. Yeah. But just minimize that just a little bit because their big play capability. Yeah. Their athleticism and their creativity and their gut instincts make up for some of those negative plays tenfold. Yeah. You know, the, the I look at those five guys, Favre and Young and, and Jeff, Garcia, Donovan, Mike. Mike, you know, obviously he's the freak of all the athletes and of the whole league. But those other four guys, I mean, those dudes, they, they got their own level of athleticism. And, and you know, what, did, what was it about Brett Favre? Let's go through each one of them. What was it about Brett that you just was like, whoa, wow. Well, first of all, every quarterback, is different yeah. from another quarterback, even if they're in the same sort of mold, 
or they play the same style. They're so different. So coach every quarterback on an individual specific basis. Now, Brett Favre, I also coach Lamar Jackson. Oh, geez. Okay. He, were. <laughs> he went, he went six and one down the stretch after Flacco got injured uh, to win, to win the, the division and, and uh, get himself into the playoffs. Uh, he is a unique, unique player oh, yeah. as well. Brett Favre, get back to Brett. What great skill and ability yeah. compiled with his leadership ability and his toughness. Now, every great quarterback I've coached has that toughness. Yeah. And that, that will, uh, deep inside of them, that they will not be denied. I love so that. Those combine, and, you know, you, you go back to talent and then the hard work and preparation part of it. Yeah, yeah. And then the old school mentality. Every great quarterback I've coached has that old school mentality. I'm not talking about the short shorts and the high socks, although <laughs> uh, the Larry Bird Magic Johnson days. Hey, don't hate on that. Don't hate on that. They're coming back, aren't they? <laughs> that style's coming back. I see it. You won't see me doing it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's that it's that it's that mentality, that old school mentality of we as a team are gonna do whatever it takes to get it done. I love that. I love that. You know, I we listen. don't care, Steve. We don't care what the score is 49, 48, or three to nothing. We don't care who scores. We don't care who gets the credit. There's plenty of credits go around. We're gonna do whatever it takes to win the next ball game. I love that. I love that. You know, I listen to your podcast. Marty's got a great podcast. I'm gonna put a link on that to this on your podcast, on this podcast, so people can listen to Awesome. Both. Thank you. But um I've heard you say that on your podcast and I just love it, you know. And and it's so true. It he's got the quarterback, in my opinion, has got to be the toughest guy on the field because he touches the ball all the time and they're trying to kill him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good point. <laughs> just just trying to put it out there. <laughs> If I if you watch the playoffs lately, just you know, just recently, think of the quarterbacks that are still left in that. There's some, and all of the quarterbacks in that league are tough, but the guys that are are still in the league are still in that hunt, hunting for that Super Bowl trophy to hold that thing above their head. Some tough suckers, competitive, yeah. competitive. Yeah, yeah, and and it is a competitive league, isn't it? Oh, I, man. I mean, you know, you look at the last. Uh, Eight teams, they had just fantastic quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, uh, I'm not sure you can debate it. I'm sure somebody could, but but uh, I could do a good debate on that. It is the most important position in all of sports. So uh, two of the greatest ones are out, Aaron Rodgers and Brady. That's amazing. So now know. the young guys, you, you know. Yeah. Allen is out as well, who's a great young guy, but but you've got you've got some young great quarterbacks that are left in the in the last four four teams. Oh, these these next two ball games, well, three. There's three to go, right? And I'll tell you what, man. And heck, I was at the Cleveland Browns when Matthew Stafford was at Detroit, and we played them, you know, all the time, either in preseason or maybe a regular season game. That dude beat us with a broken collarbone. I'm like, come on, man. I mean, that's a come on, man, right? Yeah. 
He gets his collarbone <laughs> broken. He gets drug off the field. And then he's got to, he's, he just won't let himself sit on the bench. He brings himself back in and throws a touchdown to win the game. And I'm like, and I, I know Matthew a little bit. And I go over there and I'm like, dude, man, he's like, coach, it wasn't going to end that way. There is no way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, top, top. You mentioned Favre. Yeah. I was coaching him and, and he got an ankle injury in Minnesota. Yeah. And that thing was this big. And I'm going, oh, my God, black and blue, you know, one of those pretty yeah. good ones. And I'm going, man, alive. Uh, I think we had the, the Detroit Lions at home the next ball game and 24-7 therapy for him. And he played, I, or no, maybe it was the Chicago Bears, and he throws five touchdowns. I'm not even sure. On one leg. Day, that he is going, yeah, that's right. I mean, think about the toughness there. Oh. And 24-7, a trainer would go home with him and stay, and every two hours yeah. treatment yeah. throughout the night. Every have you ever had day. a guy, speaking of toughness, have you ever had a guy in your camp and it was just like, mm, you don't have to name his name, but you just say, ah, this guy is not going to make He's not tough enough. Oh, absolutely. Might be, they might be smart enough. They might be. They could throw the ball around. They look beautiful, but you just know them. Ah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's two different distinct types of toughness. The physical toughness. Yeah. And you kind of have to be built to play the game. Oh, yeah. And, and be available and stay healthy. And then that mental toughness. Yeah. That I will not be denied. All the great ones have both of those type of toughness uh those qualities yeah and the mental toughness of ignoring the noise because the media the media in the nfl is unlike i mean these guys can play in the sec they could play in the college football for a long time but when you get in that media fish tank whoo the nfl mm, nothing like it right it's different yeah. you, you have to be mentally tough that way you almost have to say I don't care what anybody outside this building says, thinks, does, but I care very deeply about everybody that are that is inside of our organization. That's right. And then, oh, m- many people understand that, but only a select few can actually go about their business that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about culture. We're not going to be able to break down every single one of those five, six quarterbacks that you, those phenomenal freak athlete, tough quarterbacks, but let's talk about culture and culture really comes through a quarterback too, because he's pretty much your coach on the field, you know, because I'm going to take you back to Montana, your Montana days too, but let's talk about culture a little bit and how you, how you build that culture on a team. Cause it's no different. Like I'm coaching businessmen right now. And sometimes they go to work and they're like, our culture here sucks. You know, help, help us dissect this, dissect it, define it and refine it. And so let's, let's talk a little bit about culture, that team culture, that winning culture. Everybody's got a culture, but not all of them win. Yeah. It, the winning culture is key. <laughs> key word. And, and the coach and coaches can direct it just a little bit, but the key is the leadership coming from the players uh, in the locker room and on the field 
and your quarterback position is sort of thrust into that leadership role just simply by position. So it is so important. I'll give you a story of the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. You did not cross the white line walking onto the field. Once you cross the white line, you ran. Yeah. Nice. Period. And you ran from drill to drill. You ran once you got on the field, you ran. And that that came from Steve Young. And and it was left over from the great Ronnie Lott and and Ken Norton Jr. and all of those great, great leaders. I'm leaving out basically the whole the whole team. Great, great leaders. Yeah. And they demanded from each other. Yeah. So much. I mean, I mean, they own great it. players, first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah. If they weren't getting it done, those team leaders demanded that they get it done. It's just that simple. Yeah. How do you transfer that ownership from coaches or, or, you know, like us, the coaches to the players? Like I got a bunch of high school coaches that watch or listen to this show, you know, and I think we could help them out by, just giving them a couple hints. Like how did coach Holmgren, when you were in high school, transfer that ownership, that team leadership, that team culture ownership to you as his quarterback? Well, everybody's different, right? So you allow your personality to show. Yeah. So that leadership uh, is so important, but it'll be different coming from every individual because everybody's different. And that's a good thing, right? Yep. Mike Hartman, very, very demanding. You talk about another rep. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and, and that's just about another rep is about getting better every day. Yeah. And you instill that in your players' minds. You pick one thing out, and you get better at that today. Good yep. things tend to happen. That's right. So. That's what Mike, Mike, very, very demanding, and he stayed the same. He coached the same because I, I, I was able to play for him in high school and then coach for him in the NFL at Green Bay. He, his mannerisms, the way he approached the game, his demanding style always stayed the same. Yeah. I'll tell you what I appreciate about you. When we, you know, we coached together at Northern Arizona, and then there was like, shoot, I don't know how many years in between northern arizona and the jets like 20 years or so where you were coaching your guys somewhere else and i was coaching my guys somewhere else we got together i loved hearing i loved just sitting in there with you you know because you always get to hear other coaches in the way they think i love listening to coaches i love mm -hmm. you know i love watching players play but i love watching coaches coach when i was at north carolina i would go watch roy williams coach the tar heels and and just just go watch him coach, you know, coaching's coaching and leaders lead. And I loved how you would always say, Hey, let's make sure we allow these guys personalities to come out. Cause that's why they're on this team. We saw something about them that shined wherever they were. Now, if we can get them to shine here, like they did or better than where they were, just allow their personality to come out. And I just think that's such a great coaching point. Cause then you can just, Take them to the next level. Young players are sometimes so jam-packed in their mind, 
just simply trying to do the right thing the way their coach wants it done where their personality doesn't show up. That's right. <laughs> so, so if, 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 and that loosens them up, right? You want your players well-prepared, scared of nothing to the point where they think they're, they've got a little of the Superman in them by game day. And you want those players going out unafraid to make a mistake. That's right. Because they're so prepared. And that allows them to play fast and furious. That's right. And that's what you want in your players and, and people around you. You know, my brother scouted in the NFL for a long time. And he would say, he'd ask me, why do you think these guys that were just, you know, freaks, phenoms in college and the SEC, the ACC, and then they come to pro football and they're not the same. They're just a little different. I said, well, I know one thing that has changed and now it's a little different nowadays, but the money, when those guys got, when they got paid and had to produce at the level of money that they were getting paid, they were a little they just were a little bit more anxious or a little bit more, you know, I, I knew guys that would just get a rash, you know, their hair would fall out just because they would feel so pressed up about, you know, am I going to lose my contract? Am I going to get cut all this kind of stuff? And they, their personality just couldn't come out because they were right. so anxious, you know? So that's right. hard, man. It's hard. So how about, let me ask you this. Let's go back a little bit. You played at Montana. You were the quarterback at Montana. You take oh, Grizz. The, <laughs> the Grizz, that's right. I remember when we were at Northern Arizona, we go up there to play Montana, and you take me to, uh, man, I think it was called like the Stockman's Bar or something like that. I, I don't know. Is that bar still there? Absolutely. Stockman's Bar. And then a good friend of mine owned the press box. I think a guy named Gordy, if I can remember. Gordy Fix, the great Gordy Fix, he owned the press box. So we were probably at the press box, okay. which is across the river. The Clark Fork River runs right through Missoula and right on the edge of campus. And there's a little walking bridge from campus right to the press box. So what a great location oh, that man. he had. That's a money tree. But, hey – we go play that game and we, we lost to the Grizz at Northern Arizona. The Lumberjacks lost to the Grizz in that game in overtime. I don't even know if you remember that, but they were throwing pizza boxes at us. And all sorts of, they got it going on up there. Oh yeah. They, they rock and roll here. They've got great facilities. Who wouldn't want to play for the Montana Grizzlies? That's right. Really? I mean, what great facilities. It's a great town. A great home field advantage. Excellent coaches here. Yeah. Uh, fantastic place, really. Yeah. Bobby Houck is the head coach, right? Yes, Bobby yeah. Houck. And I think many of your listeners will remember Tim Houck, who played in the NFL. Timmy for, coaching with him? What? I coached with Tim at the Browns. Yeah. And Tim Tim played for, what, 12 or 14 years? Oh, and then, yeah. And then, and then uh, has coached for many, many years in the NFL. He coached here with his yeah. brother for several years and talk and about toughness. NFL. Huh? Talk about toughness. Oh. If you just saw Marty, and this is this is a this is a compliment. This is not a knock on Timmy. If you just saw him walking through the mall and somebody came up to you and said, that dude played in the NFL for 12 years, you'd be like, yeah, right. No way. That there's dude. a lot of great players 
that are sort of like that, aren't they? The real big guys stand out, the linemen. Yeah. And to some extent, the linebackers. But those, the DBs, the secondary receivers, running backs, and even a quarterback or two, they don't stand out. But they have some skill and ability that normal people don't. That's right. They have ball skills, running, jumping, the ability, lateral movement ability. Toughness. And toughness and gut instincts. They've got all of that. Yeah. And Tim, I had Tim on my uh, 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 one of my podcasts. I listened to it. I loved it. Just because of his story. It is crazy story. Yeah. Small town Montana to the NFL, unrecruited, was the underdog on basically at every level. Yeah. And ended up on top at every level. Let's get back to you at Montana. Was Montana really good before you got there? Or did you make him? You get a chance to brag. This is my show. You get a chance to brag about yourself a little bit. So, what changed when you got to Montana? Anything? Well, some of the, some, carried some of the, yeah, some of the things that you and I just talked about. Yeah, there's a mentality there. They were, <coughs> excuse me, Steve. They were excellent in the in the late '60s. And then they had some great players in the 70s, but they rarely won many games at all. Yeah. And then, and then I got here in the 80s. We had some really good players. So it was a mentality uh, sort of adjustment. And I knew, I knew at the end of my freshman year, probably the last three games, we beat a really good team. And then we lost to Nevada, who was ranked like fourth in the country, and we could have beat them. Yeah. And I knew we had a chance to get that thing turned right there. And then in my sophomore year, we start the season seven and one. And we so we we got it flipped there. And then and then in my junior year, we won the big sky. And that's when back in the day, when Boise State. In Nevada, Reno, and oh, Idaho, man. and Idaho State, Montana, Montana State. I mean, it was a tough, tough league. It felt like a fist fight <laughs> every game. It and was. we had that mentality that we loved the fist fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It was. Hey, let me let me uh, ask you about this. Let's transition. Your family, you have four four kids yourself. Two boys and two girls. Okay. They're kind of spread out all over America, right? One of your boys is an offensive coordinator, Skyler. And is Bobby Cade, is he playing football somewhere? Where's he playing football now? He's going to play his last year. He's playing at a small school in in Montana, Helena, Montana. Carroll College Saints. Go Saints. A heck of a program. They've won probably close to 10. Yeah. national championships at the NAIA level. <laughs> That's right. How? Okay, so you've been through, you've seen a 1,000 games, more than probably 50,000. How nervous do you get when you're watching Bobby play or seeing Sky call those plays for those teams? And <laughs> How's that feel? Steve, Steve, it is different, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You've been through it as well. When you're coaching, and calling plays in the NFL, you sort of you turn the emotions off just a little bit 
because you have to have great focus. That's right. Right. When your son is coaching or playing, or even your daughters, when they're out playing, you know, Molly, my, my third one, my second daughter was a heck of a field hockey and softball player in high school. Great athlete, but it's different, isn't it? Uh, I tend to, I tend to pace just a little <laughs> bit, watch the TV, and I tend to be going, the heck, what are we doing? You know, we, you know I'm not part of that team, but it's we, you know? So, and my dad was very much like that. I see a little bit of my dad in me that way. But, and you are, you want all of the, the positives for your kids, right? You, you want everything to be perfect. You want, you want them to win the game. You want them uh, to do very well. However, I thought growing up, it was okay if they were on an average team or a poor team. Now, at that level, if you just they were all pretty good players, if you just had two or three really good players, you, you ended up being a pretty good team. But, but it's okay because you need to learn how to handle some things. Yeah. And Steve mentioned that in the NFL, there are some players that are coming out. And if I, if I have to wonder how they're going to react when some of the really good things happen, which will likely occur because they're a talented, unique man. Yeah. And then wonder how they're going to react when some bad things happen, because it likely will early yeah. in their career. If I have to wonder about that, uh, that's a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. So at least, at least having, having your boys and your daughters in that athletic role or whatever role they're in, it eases the transition from the football life to what I would just call a normal life, <laughs> a real life, maybe, because it's not easy to transition. It's almost like you're dating this girl that you love and then you can't love her anymore. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. So I'll tell you the, the family dynamic, Steve, of coaching, really even in college and then in the NFL yeah. with kids growing up. It's, it's uh, looking back on it, it, it was not normal. Uh, <laughs> no. You know, I mean, during the season, I mean, you go hard 24-7 yeah. for what, Steve, six, seven months. Yeah, seven months, easy. Right? And so there were just a couple things that came to mind is, is I wanted to get home every night. Now, I didn't do it uh, every single night because I thought even though I got home when the kids were asleep, and I got up and gone before they woke up. They knew Dad was there, and I thought that was important. Uh, and then, and then the off season is so important for college and, and pro coaches. You, you remember how we set it up? From nine a.m. to noon was our staff time, scheme evaluation, football work, and then from noon on was your evaluations of NFL free agents or college kids that were coming out. And so if you needed to get to your daughter's basketball game or your son's baseball game, you could do that. Yeah. And just get your evaluations done. I remember being uh, in the office in the off season, Saturday nights at one, two, three AM uh, doing my evaluations then because yeah. I wanted to get to every 
bowl game that I could in the off season. We yeah, just absolutely. couldn't do it in the fall. Yeah. And when you have four, it's even more. I remember, you know, my wife would call me during the fall because my boys were all playing football and then my daughter's playing volleyball. And she's like, I only have one car and there's only one of me <laughs> like, Hey, she's bigger champ than me, man. So I'll tell you what, the wives are so important, aren't they? They oh. have to be a little bit selfless. And, uh, and quite a little bit independent because I will tell you, in the off season, my wife would be gone for the day or something. And I had the kids, all the four kids. <laughs> I mean, getting them to and from, uh, you know, all these things. I would literally be sweating <laughs> trying to get all my kids to all these different, different things that they needed to get to. And I'm going, how do they do it? Every day, not just once. Every day. Hey, I'd come home and Amy would say, hey, can you unload the dishwasher? And I'd be like, uh, yeah, where does this go? Where does it? She's like, forget it. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't do that on purpose. I, I promise you, I didn't do that on purpose. Hey, you alluded to this earlier because this show is called Another Rep with Coach Hagan. What does another rep mean to you now that you've coached, you know, shoot, 37 years and, and raised all your kids? They all were athletes. and and repping doesn't necessarily have to mean sports. It's just, what, right. what is it? Uh, well, we discussed it. It's about getting better at something Yeah. every day. Pick something out. It might be a big thing. and it might, You might spend two weeks getting better at that. Or it might be something small that you can spend one day on. <clears throat> or maybe it's something you think you could spend one day on, but it takes you three yeah. to get better. Get better every day. Good things tend to happen in anything that you do. And yeah. so, uh, you know, that that extra rep that you're talking about, you, you know, we talked a little bit about it, about it, talent, hard work and preparation, that old school mentality. And that extra rep is kind of incorporated into that hard work, preparation and that old school mentality. All the great players I've coached, <clears throat> extra reps. If they miss a pass, or if they drop a pass, or if they slip on a route, or they're getting not one extra rep, they may get 10 of those after the practice. That's the right. great Jerry Rice, first ballot Hall of Famer, he'd be out 10 minutes before the special team would be out, and he's working stance and starts. And he's been to eight Pro Bowls already. <laughs> I'm going, Jerry, what are you doing? Stance and start, baby. That's where it begins. And so those players that would put in the extra work and you mix it with that talent. And then also, I, I know this, you've got to mix it with excellent teaching methods, right? Yeah. yeah. Those coaches are important. Yeah. Uh, then, then good things tend to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, tell everybody what your podcast is about and the name of it so we can get directly to it. And, um, I love listening to your podcast. I love your juice. I love the way you talk. That's why I had you on the show. And uh, I've always loved coaching with you anyways, but tell everybody. Likewise. Well, it's called Camp Marty, C-A-M-P-M-A-R-T-Y podcast.com. And it's called Camp Marty because I do a non-for-profit quarterback school right here in Missoula, Montana, every off season. And who and wouldn't want to go to that? I just send my kid to that and go fishing <laughs> after I watch him practice a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and the players pay nothing. The city, the the the, the banks and the, and the restaurants and the bars, they all fund it. Wow. And so, and we go through, Steve, at that camp, we go through in the mornings, uh, there's about five drills. Now, look at, I've got 24 drills in my drill book, but there's five really important drills. So I cover that in the mornings and why are we doing it and how do you think? And, and then in the afternoon, <clears throat> I go through progressions and reads how to read a defense. And, and there's four or five of those basic reads or the, the horizontal stretch, the vertical stretch, the over-unders, and then all vertical. So if you can do those, you can read any defense and because there's other reads, right? Yeah. There's other reads that come into play, you know, on certain cover. But if you can do those, you can read anything. And so we go through the, all of those in the afternoon. And it's it's quite a great camp. We've had some great quarterbacks in the, and it's built for quarterbacks in the state of Montana. But we have had guests, yeah. high school <laughs> quarterbacks come in. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I have fun. So that's why the podcast is called campmartypodcast.com. And look, it's two or three things in a story. Typically, I'll talk about something to do with the team or the offense or scheme or quarterbacks. And then and then typically, I'll have a guest on and we'll talk uh, uh, about uh, uh, something of importance with the guest as well. And, and then story. Yeah. Because I think the story, Brett Favre was a great storyteller. Yeah. Uh, that's part of athletics and then, and what great stories we have. So typically we'll tell a story or two. He'll either tell it, my guest, or I'll tell it, or we'll tell it together. And there are some great, great stories uh, that have already been told on the Camp Marty podcast. Yeah, we'll, have to get on. we'll get but on. I'll tell you what, Steve, I want to go back one time because what difference uh, in, in, in the style of play between Brett Favre and Steve Young, both of them first ballot Hall of Famers. Both of them Super Bowl winners. Both of them great men. But how different are they? Brett Favre, the black hat gunslinger, right? That's yeah. the way he played on the field. Steve Young, the white hat and a surgeon. Yeah. He would cut you up and dice you up. Lamar Jackson is way different than either one of those. Mike Vick, way different than all of them. Donovan McNabb, underrated, great, great quarterback. Jeff Garcia, they're all so different. Coach them that way. You may have three or four or five quarterbacks on your ball club. They're all individual specific. Coach them in an individual manner. Everybody's got different strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And, and, and then at the quarterback position, you know this, Steve, you know my, I am hard this way. Play directly to the strength of the quarterback, period. And good things tend to happen for your offense and ultimately your team. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree with that 100%. I was working with Coach Holmgren at the Browns when he was the president. And he was um, – I loved sitting in the room when he was in there. I would just sit in there and just absorb as much as I could. I mean, it's rare we get to be around, you know, guys that are so successful doing that at the highest level, coaching the guys like you. I mean, you've coached these guys and – it's rare you get to be around that kind of teaching and that kind of leading and, and it results in productivity. It's direct, you know, the, the results are a direct reflection of how they're being taught. Cause I remember 
Coach Holmgren would come in and he'd go, first of all, he'd say a lot of different things, but he'd say, how many new plays are up there? And if there were too many, he'd be like, do we need that? Erase that. Because this is about the quarterback. And then how come we keep switching the tight end, the strength? Is, is the strength, you know, if, if we got a right-handed quarterback, let's make sure that we play to his strengths. And let's let's make sure he knows exactly what's going on. This isn't about us. This is about him. He's the player. He's the guy out there. And we got to make sure that he can win this game. And then we'll all benefit from that when we coach it the way he can learn it and produce at the highest level. And I, I just love that. I've taken that all the time. And because, um, you know, as, as we as coaches get, we see something you know, fun or sexy on another team, they're doing it, or we watched it on Monday Night Football, and we're like, man, we should put that in or whatever. Well, you know what? Maybe it doesn't fit our team. Maybe it doesn't fit our quarterback. Maybe it doesn't, you know, so. At, yeah. at really at all positions, but especially the quarterback, play to their strengths. Ask them to do things that they're really good at. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, 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 and positive things happen. And then, and then teaching, you know, <clears throat> That's what we are, right, Steve? We're teachers. That's right. So those great teachers, if you remember back to junior high or high school, the great math teacher, man alive, they could make something that was complicated really simple in your, in, in your mind. Yeah. And you go, oh, it's easy. Yeah. Because you had such a great teacher. And if we can do that with players, because things get complicated, don't they, in the NFL? They get the, there, there's some complicated schemes. If you can make those simple in the individual player's mind, boom, it allows them to go play fast. Well, it's, you know, and, and the NFL is unlike any other thing in my mind because the level of risk, health, and all that. I mean, the, the quarterback standing in the middle and we say, oh, how come he can't complete that? Other than, well, he's going to get hit in the back of the head here in about – one-tenth of a second if he doesn't release that ball on time on target and uh you know they get comfortable in those uncomfortable positions and that's what's so phenomenal and that's why a great teacher really can can get him to ignore that noise and stay focused and dialed in on how to how to really do this and how to win this so but hey man i really appreciate having you on the show we're gonna have to do it again maybe we'll do it after the super bowl who are you picking to win the super bowl Steve Hagan, Steve Hagan, you're the man. <laughs> I'm, look, Steve, I'm, 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 I'm dialed in with the Chiefs, you yeah. know, Andy Reid. Yeah. Uh, and all of those great coaches they have there, Mahomes is just a unique, high-level, tough, smart quarterback that has – now talk about instincts. Ooh. He's got instincts, and he trusts his instincts. Uh, and what a, what a heck of a team. You know, the unique thing with the Chiefs is they were so bad early defensively. They were terrible, right? Yeah. One of the worst in the league. And their offense was turning the ball over. And I remember talking about the Chiefs on a radio show when they were something like three and four. Mm -hmm. And there was questions. Nah, there's no questions. Their defense will get better. Their offense we'll start taking care of the ball at some point here. Yeah. And their defense went from the worst to one of the very best yeah. in the last eight games. Yep. And the offense started taking care of the ball. That's all they needed, right? Was those two things. Defense pick it up a little bit. I didn't think they'd pick it up quite that much, but they certainly did. And then the offense, you take care of the ball 
And then from there, turn it loose. And that's, that's what right. they did. That's right. I picked the Chiefs, I suppose. I'm taking the Chiefs, too. It comes down like, you know, there's a million stats, and we listen to all the talking heads on ESPN, Fox Sports, and all that. To me, two stats, touchdowns and turnovers. And the Chiefs can score, and they can get that ball back. So, And right now, they're not turning it over, so we got to knock on wood. But we'll see. That's correct. Uh, you mentioned it. The, the, the direct correlation to winning is, is points. And then the turnover ratio, those are those those stats are directly correlate to winning. Many of the other stats that people give credence to, they don't correlate to winning at a high level. No, time of possession, all this, what all this craziness, you know, whatever. That could be a whole nother show. But yeah. hey, Marty, man. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. So, really Good man. Marty, thanks so much for coming on another rep. I really appreciate you doing that. And uh, just love love reconnecting with you, man. It's been a minute. And just love your juice, love your knowledge, love everything about you. So thanks so much. Hey, if you like this show, hit like, hit subscribe, share it with your people, share it with your friends, share it with your team do whatever. But until we do this again, you keep repping. I am out.